All right. Welcome to Salty Dogs Podcast. This is Jason Villanueva. I'm one of your hosts. We've got a host out today. Casey's in North Carolina. He's in Charlotte hanging out with his wife, doing some tree stuff. And uh, so we're missing him. However, did make a phone call earlier this week, and I said to my nephew, Christopher Serna, I said, hey, bro, we need to record an emergency podcast. And he very uh, eagerly and excitedly accepted the offer. Uh, Absolutely. Not without prayer and consideration. Yes. But he's here, Chris Serna, this morning with us, and I'm excited to introduce also Senior Nick Eady. <laughs> Nick Eady's with us this morning as well. So we've got uh, one host out, but we've got uh, two guests in, and so we're we're excited about this uh, this pod trio this morning. This tripod. <laughs> hey <laughs> Jason, I'm a little let down on that introduction, man. Like, Why? Because you built Chris up like he's something special, and I'm just... I didn't and we got you. Nick. Well, Nicholas... Yeah. yeah, you are. You've got about 44 more minutes to prove <laughs> that you're something and somebody, so oh, no pressure. Man, mm. Jacked up. <laughs> I love Nicholas. Nick's awesome. He hit me up the other day just uh, on a whim to go get lunch, and uh, we spent some time together. And um, Nick, he he's a proclaimed fan of the Salty Dogs podcast. I, I appreciate that about him. So I like it. If if you're a fan, you're all right in my eyes. <laughs> all all of us, uh, we've got a we've got a pretty um, similar past together. And so this morning, our topic um, it, we're going to talk about uh, past ministry experience versus uh, current season in our life. And so, um, just to give you a brief background of how we all know each other. Uh, we we all served in the same church context together, and within that church context, we were able to step into a full-time ministry situation, not having ever been in a full-time ministry situation. To take it just a step further, we have all also experienced stepping out of a full-time ministry experience into uh, somewhat of a lull of quote-unquote full-time ministry. There's a lot to say about that. Like, do you have to have a title? Do you have to have a paycheck? Do you need a position given by a church organization to be in full-time ministry? We could talk about that stuff. But uh, what I wanted to talk about um, today was, first of all, Salty Dogs Podcast is always about gleaning wisdom from experience of others. And so regardless if you've been in ministry for five months or five years or 50 years, we can learn something from everybody. And so I've walked with you guys and We've been down some crazy roads and blood, sweat, and tears and, you know, anger and all sorts of different things uh, we've experienced in ministry. But I just want to pick uh, pick your brains today and uh, kind of talk about some of those, some of that time in full-time ministry versus the transition and then to where you are now. And so... Um, Chris, I'm going to let you just say just a little bit about yourself, give a quick ministry past, and then Nick, also after Chris, you're going to give just a real quick ministry past, and so it's all you, brother. Yeah, okay, so I mean, like Jason was saying, I'm his I'm his nephew, so we're family, so I've known him my whole life. That's a big deal, I forgot about that. Yeah, we are we are family, he's my uncle, people often say, oh, your cousin, no, yeah. no, not he, cousin. He always called me Uncle Jason growing up, so when I when he got older, I started calling him nephew Chris. Yeah, so so we are family. Uh, I you know grew up in the church, um, did that for a while, and uh, kind of stepped away for just for just a season and, and pursued my own things and own desires, and that didn't really work out. And uh, 
I went through a pretty bad breakup and just decided to take a trip up here to Kansas to visit my uncle Jason. And uh, and I had ulterior motives. He was like, I'm going to get him to move here. That's right. And so I, I, I mean, he didn't have to do anything. I, as soon as I left and uh, got in the car and made the 10-hour drive up here, I, God was already working on me. And I, I got up here and he, he broke my heart for, for Kansas. I love Kansas. Um, and so I got up here and... and I just knew this is where I'm supposed to be, so I went home, told my mom. Uh, she cried. <laughs> she, I'm sure she she was mad at Jason, she, her, she her brother. And and so uh, I decided to make the trip up here and, and stepped into full-time ministry and, and did that for four years. So before. what was your position? So I was a, a student pastor. Okay, student pastor. So that was I did that for three and a half years. And you were full-time. You weren't bivocational, right? Correct. I was I was full time. So my first ministry encounter was was you know, I had done some volunteering with student ministries, and and my first thing that I stepped into was bam full time. You know, mm-hmm. was that the name of the youth ministry? Bam, bam. It sounds like a good Hasht- hashtag. Bam. Um, and so so I stepped about into that, that bam life. <laughs> <laughs> I stepped into that, and that was that was full time, and uh, and had no experience prior to that. Um, quite honestly, definitely was not even ready to step into that role. Sure, um, but because it's what I believed God had called me to do, I, I so eagerly I I jumped into it, and so that that's kind of the, sets up how I got into ministry. Okay, yep, Nicholas. Yeah, can so, I keep calling you that? Is that weird? Call me whatever you want, man. Okay, uh, so. My my walk, you know, I got saved when I was eight years old, and and uh, was pushed out the door to go to church. My parents did not attend church, but they pushed me out the door. Yeah. And um, so I, my whole life, I I had spent in church, and um, but eventually I felt a call to go into ministry, and I was probably sixteen or seventeen, and I answered that by running away and joining the Marine Corps. And uh, good call. So <laughs> yeah. So and because uh, I didn't. I, I didn't know what that meant. Or you ran, you ran away from the highest authority to give your life over to a lesser authority. Yeah, good call. Yeah, let's let's go with that. <laughs> but it made me an elite person, right? So I believe so. <laughs> Nick has Nick has a servant's heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so anyway, so I, I get out of the Marine Corps and, and live some life, and and uh, then I start attending uh, Aviator Church, and that's that's really when I felt the call to to come into ministry. And so, yeah. um, I talked to the pastor about that and, and he's like, that's awesome. And so he started talking to me and we started going through what that looks like. And, but there just never was there anything. I wasn't sure where I was supposed to be. Sure. Um, and so I ended up trying a few different things and, and eventually they started another location down in Wellington mm-hmm. and the pastor down there asked me to come and be the, the next steps director, which is basically sure. the dis- discipleship yeah. and, um, groups and all that. Yeah. So Absolutely. taking your next step. Sure. And th- let's certainly give credit where credit is due. Aviator church. We all moved here or Chris and I moved here to be a part of Aviator church in Derby, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And Nick was already living in Mulvane and started attending Aviator. Um, but Giving credit where credit is, is due, Pastor Joe Boyd, um, some, something I can say about him is that he has a gift, and I believe it falls in line with um, being an apostle um, in the APES model, Ephesians 4. You guys can go look that up. Let's not dig too deep into that, and don't nitpick me too much on it when I say it either, <laughs> listeners. But uh, Joe Boyd, he's got a real apostolic and evangelistic gift, and um, he has 
this amazing gift to be able to recognize uh, a call on a person's life and to speak to their potential. And it was because of him seeing that in me that I moved here. And he also gave Chris an opportunity and Nick an opportunity. So three guys at a table who at one point in time, no ministry experience, but eager with the call, um, desiring to serve the Lord. And Joe Boyd allowed us to have a platform in his, in his ministry to be able to do that. And so, Credit where credit's due. He's an awesome guy. That's what he does. I, yeah. I see. I see that happen in that ministry as well. Um, all that to say, um, we we were young, and we were. Um, I say I say young, in in our understanding of ourselves, mm. um, in our our ministry call, and even in our ministry experience. And so, where I want to go with this is, um, how did your t- your first step into full time ministry. What did you learn? Number one, like what what was your perce- let's go this route. What was your perception of what ministry would be like um, versus what you experienced as an individual stepping into ministry? I guess I guess I'll take that. So yeah, go as, for it. as far as perception goes, I, I I don't know what I I think I had this romanticized Absolutely. vision yeah. of of ministry and and what it would be and and the experiences that I would have. I I don't know what I I thought would happen. I guess I just thought we would sit around and and have biblical conversations all week and Kumbaya, yeah, you know Lord. all of all of these things and 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 nights of worship amongst the staff and just I don't know it, it just this idea that it, things would be a lot easier than they really were. That's a good, yeah. And and so, I mean, and ultimately, you know, people show up to church and, and there, you know, there's there's processes that need to be run to get people connected and, and to be efficient and things like that. And so, there was there was a lot more behind the scenes that went into um, caring for a body of believers than I really realized. Yeah. You know, it's not just what happens on Sunday. There's, you know, six other days of the week. And so, I was like, oh, there are things that we have to do these, you know, these days. And so, I, I really didn't see that coming as far as what my perception was. And so, what I experienced was this long list of to do's mm-hmm. uh, in preparation for for what what most people would say is is the big day on on Sunday, and sure. so there was a lot of busy work in between that, and a lot less discipleship that took place even on my behalf because I was so occupied with with running the plays and doing the systems yep. and, and doing these things, and so it it set me up. I, I just didn't expect that. Sure, and I think something that you said was one. It was. It wasn't as easy. It didn't feel as easy as you thought it was going to be, and also romanticizing full time ministry. And I think that happens. I think there there's more than two types of people. I don't like when people say, "Well, there's two types of people." No, there's more than that. Look around. But in in one in one hand, you've got um, the person who sees ministry and they're eager, they're eager and they romanticize it. Like me, I remember sitting in the pews of a church or chairs of a church, whatever. Um, and looking up at pastors, and they're speaking the word, and I mean they're passionate, and people are clapping, and you know, and they're funny, and and I just see this this persona in the pulpit, and my perception of that individual was that they had it all together, and that if I could just achieve that platform, mm, yeah. that I would have it all together. So I romanticized the pulpit, um, just like maybe you romanticize ministry. And so, Nick, tell us, you tell us a little bit about, yeah. So I think. I can take the two of your statements and put them together, and that's kind of what I 
romanticized about like i really looked at the pastor and i'm like this guy has influence and i've always felt like god has a, a bigger and better call on my life than, than what i was doing like even when i was in the marine corps and it's just like man i'm i'm ready to 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 step into that and um but so i i would see the pastor and that's the influence that he had is is the influence that i i longed for mm. um but i like you said earlier i have a servant's heart and so i romanticized actually the busy work because I'm like, man, like I want this closer relationship with Christ and, and dude, like the Levites, they were the closest to Christ. They were the, the priests and stuff. And so Hmm. I, I'm like, if I get in there and I start doing God's work, like I'm going to get closer to the father. Right. And so, um, yeah, I don't, and it did not turn out that way. So, yeah, I would say that I had actually the opposite effect for me because one of the big takeaways that I had from that was, man, I confused intimacy with the father with working for the father. Yeah. And, and, and if I just do all of these things, it's, it's almost like you, you fall into that mindset of works and, and really earning the father's love when he's just desiring intimacy. And so all of this busy work, while it's good and while it needs to happen, we can't place our trust in getting the love of the father from that. But Nick, I can, I relate 100%. I, I fell into that as well. Yeah. There's, there's a, uh... Christopher and I were talking about this the other day. There are multiple instances in Scripture that show us that intimacy happens before mission, that mm. intimacy happens before works. I mean, it's faith, faith without works is dead, but there will be no works without faith, and faith is that relationship with the Father. We, we believe, we love, um, we're in relationship with Him. And so on one instance, the Scripture says that Jesus called them, right? He's, it call, he called his disciples. He called them that they might be with him and that they might preach and that they might cast out demons. And so if you look at the order there, and one could argue that there was no order, it was just a matter of fact. But I would say that primarily Jesus called the disciples to be with him. And then it was out of that that they would preach and that they would, they would see supernatural power come from their relationship. And there there would be you know, these, these works that then came from being with him first. And so I think sometimes we get that whole thing backwards. Mary and Martha, right? Martha was worried about a lot of things, but Mary chose what was best. And yeah. She was at the feet of Jesus listening and learning and, uh, and sitting quietly in his presence. And Jesus said, quiet in my presence is better than working around me. Mm. Right. How good is that? Yeah. So just to, um, to kind of bring things back around. So we had this romanticized um, image and perception of what quote unquote full-time ministry would be like. And we got thrown in and um, I would say that in my experience, um, I felt like I was really doing something and I I felt like things were happening and God was moving and God was moving. God used it. So that's the thing that we need to, we need to establish first and foremost that, you know, God was at work in people's hearts, and and we'll never know the impact we had on people in kind of those early years. But part of, and this is kind of where I want to take it now. Part of my experience was that I got, I had a title put on on me. This is Jason, and he's a church planter, and he's going to pastor this new location. Right, so church planner and pastor, 
these things that were were said about me. And so what happened in that instance is I started looking at all the church planners and other pastors around me and in my eyes not sizing up, right? So then there became this comparison game. Mm. Um, and so then there became this, what's that movie? It, there's a movie called The Imitation Game. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I began to play was the imitation game. And yeah. so I began to think, well, if, you know, can I preach like that guy? Can I be passionate like that guy? Like you talked about Wellington's pastor, Mark Cress. Yeah. I wanted Mark's passion. Oh, man, that was good. Right? Yeah. I wanted his passion. I'm like, Lord, you know, I want to be passionate. And I'm thinking about Mark Cress. <laughs> you know, and, and but because that dude was, I mean, he, he got people riled up, you know. And so I began to think, well, if I can just be more passionate and, you know, if I can just be loud and all these yeah. different things, if I can just be funny. If I, so I began to play this imitation game. So under the weight of... Wanting to be like certain people around me, plus the weight of titles, um, I was all over the place. Yeah, and so it wasn't until I stepped out of that full time position and had somewhat of a it was like a three or four month lull in quote unquote full time ministry. I wasn't preaching on a Sunday morning or every Sunday morning. Um, You know, we weren't setting up and tearing down church. Um, you know, all these different things that weren't happening because we, we shut down this location. Um, it kind of, it took me into a very interesting season. And so I want to hear a little bit about your step out of your first full-time ministry role into that next season of not being in a full-time ministry position. Tell me about how that went for you guys. Yeah, so that that first step's a doozy. It's, yeah. it's <laughs> it. One would say that I took a step from the top of the staircase and I skipped five and fell hard. Wow. Um, it 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 was definitely a rough transition for me. Um, my wife and I had just taken some steps. We you know we thought okay, well we're ready to buy a house and and uh, you know we have this. I was at the time I was doing I was a student pastor and the graphic designer, uh, and so I was I was doing these two jobs and um, we thought well we have this extra income let's take a step of faith and. Let's we feel led to to let our lease end and we're going to live in a camper on Larry's parents' property, my wife. And so we do that, and and then the Lord calls us out of ministry. And I mean, this just goes to show that there, the Lord's always got a plan. Because if it wasn't for that, you know, I don't know that we would have been able to to provide for our family. But you know, God's God's got the whole picture inside. And so we mm-hmm. took that step, and we're in a place where we're uncomfortable, and we take this really uncomfortable step. And and I was fine for the first few days and then it it hit um and when i and said then got and then playing xbox all day long got boring yes yeah after 48 <laughs> hours of of straight xbox it's like well i, I guess i should go outside i played a lot of mario kart during my first couple of weeks how many times did you beat mario kart <laughs> uh I beat it front, forwards and backwards. I really did because once you unlock all these things, they flip the tracks, and I beat it backwards too. <laughs> and then you beat it blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> that would be impressive. Um, so, so I, I would say when I say it hit, I mean just the realization that like, oh, I totally found my identity and my purpose in my title in what I did. For so long, I was able to say, "Hey, what's up? My name's Chris Cerna. I'm the student pastor at at, at Aviator Church," and and that was my identity. That that's who I was. That was on me. That was there's a pride that comes with this idea of being in ministry and being important, being used by God. And 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 it's hard to not get tripped up by that pride. And when that was taken away, it's like, well, who am I? 
I just I need to interject a real quick thought though. I think consider how we find our identity or had found our identity in our titles being in a full-time ministry position in a church organization. And there's only a handful of those positions available for people to carry. Hmm. And so can you imagine what just you know imagine a congregant how they're feeling about their identity when they don't mm. have a title yeah. or something yep. to to fall on, right? Go ahead, keep yeah. going. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, it was like, uh, and this and this was not an issue with within the church. This was an issue within myself. I, I just want to be very clear to point that out. Yep. I mean, I, this was this was a pride and a misdirection and even lack of intimacy is where I would say this all stemmed from. You know, doing work for the Father as opposed to intimacy with the Father, and because of that, I I didn't know who I was, and so when this title was removed from me, I I had this this identity losses. I didn't know who I was. And so for me, it, it became a very depressing process over the next few months of of trying to find purpose in in things. It's like, well, I'm a, I'm a father, I'm, I'm a husband, and and really, yes, I am all of those things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm a son of God, and so that's where I needed to find my identity. How depressing is it that you know, even as a student pastor, somebody who's leading students and teenagers and investing in their lives and other leaders, that I find I found my identity in that. And, and so that was a rough journey. I was out of ministry for a year and a half, mm-hmm. and, and we got plugged in and connected to the body in Life Church Wichita. And I just shout out to Nate Day, the student pastor there, who who man really took me under his wing and and was very slow to put me back into ministry because mm-hmm. I, I think he recognized the identity it's loss as well and and the things that I was saying. And so he was very slow to even allow me to to serve in a higher capacity, even though everything in me is like oh, I I want to do that. I want to be back in that role. I want to say these things and so uh, ultimately at the end of the day that's what it boiled down to was a loss of identity and so very months searching trying to find myself and and even until I got connected with Jason with some of the, you know with you and the source and, and what was going on with with uh, uh, new life equip and, and all of those guys Sam McVeigh Matthew Penner, disciple nation disciple nation yeah that that um, that I've truly realized what intimacy with the Father looks like, going back to giftings, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, but yeah. realizing who God created me to be and who He didn't create me to be. That's good. Nick? Yeah, so, so my step out of ministry is, is still fairly fresh. It's only been a few months since I, I stepped away from that. Um, and so what capacity were you serving? Yeah, I was the Next Steps director, um, basically over the discipleship piece of of. Aviator. Okay. Um, now, I had done bivocational uh, ministry in Wellington for three years, and then it was after that that I stepped into full time ministry, and um, so it was it was an interesting transition. But the transition out, like I didn't, I don't feel like I struggled as much. I don't feel like I struggle as much with the identity piece. I think that there are some things, but there are things that I find my identity in that I'm like that I fall back to. Yeah, and so taking the step out of ministry and going back to the workforce really feels like a step backwards in my mind. Yeah, um, but why? Yeah, like that's the struggle I've been having is like, why is it? Why is that a step backwards? And well, and I think part of it is is more about the purpose and not so much the identity. It's like God has called me to something more, to do something more, to to be something more. And here you know, here I am, just I'm hauling yeah. trash. So, but. 
let me let me just take this a certain way right now. I was thinking about this the other day, and I saw a tweet from somebody, and I'm guilty. I've said the same thing. Man, Chris, God wants to do something great with your life. Gosh, he's going to do something so big. It's just going to be amazing, man. God's just going to use you. But, do you remember when you, you used to call me and when I was still in Houston, just you were up here and you would say, Chris, man, I just oh, I have this desire for you to be used by God and, and I get to wake up every morning and, and do ministry. And you romanticized it for me. <laughs> it was fantastic, no. though. It, it was. It, it, no, no, it, but that goes but, along with what you're saying. But here's and but it's our fault when we make statements like that that mm-hmm. we romanticize because we say we we use this this word great but great in the eyes of god is very different than great in the eyes of man right yeah that's so true because like even the scripture says even our righteous acts are filthy rags so yeah. it's like what we do is not but, great but gosh what is paul talks about it he says but the greatest of these is love. And so I think that the greatest thing the Father could do with your life is infiltrate your world, your mind, will, and emotions by the power of His Holy Spirit and transform you to love as the Father loves. That's the greatest thing I believe someone can do, that greatest thing that God could do with you. Mm-hmm. What if I said, and, and Paul, Paul talks about this, you know, I could have tongues of angels, right? And I can I can do these things, and I'm just a clanging cymbal or a gong. If I have love, I'm nothing. Nick, you could go on to pastor a megachurch, but you can do that from such a high position and lead down that you, it, in such a way that you weren't loving people the way the Father loves people. Mm. You could create an organizational entity that would give an air of greatness, yet there could be no love going on there. And this is arguable, but I'm just making the point that man can can achieve success and do something great that is great in the eyes of men, but it's not filled with love. Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel, and the Lord could see that. Exactly, the Tower of Babel. So anyways, I just want to make that point. Yeah. Too much silence there. <laughs> so, so in the, well, let me give just a little bit of uh, insight into my my lull. <laughs> I, I like that word. It's hard to say lull, but this time where I kind of stepped out of full time ministry, and and so it was it was pretty interesting that during that time I felt like the Lord gave me a pretty clear directive, and it was He said you're to be a, a student of the Word of God, and you're to create or to yeah, to find a find your philosophy of ministry. So hmm. it's kind of a weird thing. Like, and I was thinking about this last night, like at two thirty in the morning. I I woke up and then I was thinking all about this podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, I was thinking about this philosophy of ministry thing and how um, it was it was stepping out of a full time ministry position and having an identified leader and having an identified mission, identified vision, identified values, a ten year plan, all these things. Um, stepping out of that, that it's like, well, what do I do now? Who do I follow? <laughs> yeah. Right. Who whose vision am I going to get on board with now? Right. Yeah. It, well, the Lord's vision. <laughs> <laughs> you know, get on board with the Lord's vision, and so so uh, really what. 
God was wanting me to do was really dive into his word and build a foundation from scripture and from relationship with him, right? So we talk about Logos and Rhema. Logos is, you know, the truth, reason, truth manifest in Christ, but it's also scripture. And then we have Rhema, which is the spoken word of God. So man will not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So it's in the desert where Jesus was getting constant rhema from the Father, that deep relationship when he says, I have bread that you know nothing about, mm-hmm. right? It's that it's that deep relationship with the Father. Um, in addition to Scripture, which you and I were talking about, Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God is equipped for every good work in right. Christ Jesus. So the, um, God was taking me through a season where I was getting equipped with the Word um, to be able to come to some foundational conclusions about, well, here's what I believe about this, that, and the other. And really what he did starting at that point in time, and it's been nearly two, two and a half years later, is for me, he really established a a deeper foundation in sonship. And, you know, Chris kind of talked about that a little bit, but it's stepping out of the task-oriented mentality and stepping into the Sabbath rest, as stated in Hebrews, and stepping into the work of the cross and what Jesus has done for you, rather than trying to feel like you're justified by everything that you're doing for the Father, hmm. instead of knowing the Father. Right. And so, if we think about the um, the story of the prodigal son, and we Nick and I talked a little bit about this at the anchor the other day, but the 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 prodigal son was in the pig pen, and he's thinking, i got to go back to my dad's house. I can be a servant and live a better life than I'm living here. And I've done that. I've been on my knees before and said, Father, I, wanna, I just want to serve you. You know, I just want to – and with the broken and contrite heart, but I just wanted to do. And then when the prodigal son gets back to the father, he, sa- you know, he says – he's got this whole thing rehearsed, and then he says, uh, make me a servant. And then – Father stops him in the tracks and says, put a ring on his finger. So he reestablished authority. He said, put sandals on his feet, which reestablished his identity. Hmm. The servants that worked the estate, that took care of the tasks of the estate, um, they wouldn't wear sandals. They were barefoot. Hmm. And so that there's a symbolism of sandals going on the feet. And then give him a robe. Put, put my clothes on him. Take off his filthy rags. I mean, the guy had to smell and look like garbage, right, coming out of a pig pen. But then the father put on a new robe, which we obviously are robed in Christ, right? Yeah. We, we, we wear Christ. And then he said, slay the fattened calf. And so the, the first thing he did was reestablish authority, reestablish identity, and then he sat down over a meal with them, which reestablished relationship. Mm-hmm. The son was out in the field the working. Older the older son. The older son was out in the field working. And so we get a beautiful picture of intimacy with the father over a meal at the table, a repentant heart, a desire for relationship from the father to the son, even though the son wanted to work for the father. Well, then you've got the son working for the father who said, well, you never you know, you know, never gave a, even a goat or whatever he said um, for me and my friends. And he's like, everything I have is yours. It's like, really, all you have to do is ask, but there was no relationship there. Yeah. And so for me, my my kind of break from ministry reestablished that deeper, intimate relationship with the Father. And it was through that that um, I found out more about who I was as a son, but then I found 
out more about mission and role and call. And so this is what I want to kind of shift into. So you guys functioned under a certain ministry um, title and context. And so then you came into this season where you didn't have that title, that context, or the paycheck. But now, Chris, you're stepping back into ministry, and Nick, I know that you're you're kind of not there yet. Mm-hmm. But what I want to what I want to find out is what have you learned about yourself and your role and your call? So at the source, we're real big on this. We say we're going to disciple, equip, and send, um, and we're going to uh, embrace roles and calls in the body. Which means that we're not going to do anything that isn't um, something that the Lord has gifted us or made us to do. Because I can put you in a ministry context, and you can serve, and you can be willing to serve, and you can do everything I ask you to do, yet still not be functioning in your gifting and your calling. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You can just do monkey work. Mm-hmm. Right? You can be the weasel that runs back and forth and gets <laughs> things and does things. And you're serving, but you may not be serving in your gifting and your capacity. So speak to just a little bit about if you have a greater understanding of your gifting and your role and your call to the body, regardless of if you have a title or a paycheck. Mm. Yeah. So I would say that um, until I got connected uh, with the source, not to the source, but to the source, the source Wichita and, and the Disciples Nations crew. Um, I don't, I didn't have a good understanding of, of who I was and who God had created me to be. And, and there was a giftings teaching that Sam McVeigh does and it's fantastic. And Nick and I had actually attended, uh, that night and, and my wife was here as well. And so he starts going through the grace giftings that are outlined in Romans 12. And, and so, for me to hear those and realize like, oh man, I, this is who God created me to be. Um, and, and as, so as far as my spiritual gifts go, they are, they are leadership and teacher, teaching or teacher. And, and me too. Yay. We're the same, same Z's. Yay. Twinsies, giftsies. <laughs> giftsies. And so we, um, to figure that out and know like, this is who God created me to be was such a big deal because for so long, I mean, when you throw the pastor title on somebody, I mean, now it's just because Become somebody who leads a church or preaches in a pulpit, which uh, the or leads pastor, any ministry or leads any ministry. You know, teach uh, uh, kids pastor, uh, student pastor, um, worship pastor, worship pastor, connections and so pastor. This this pastor shepherd is a gifting, and so to have that title placed on me, there were expectations that I would be shepherding and caring and do doing all of these things, and not that I don't have to do those things in my life because I'm not gifted in them, but I don't need to come under condemnation because I'm not. Yeah. A shepherd, yeah. you know. I need to be able to live and know and excel. I've heard it say, if, if you are fulfilled and fruitful, I mean that's that's a good way to know if you. Are, and so, being fulfilled, knowing that man, this is what God created me to do, and it just feels good when I do it, and I have these out of body experiences because it's so <laughs> natural and it's so easy. And, and so, for me, teaching is definitely in that realm. I mean, when I'm in that zone. And God's speaking through me. Yeah. It just—it's so easy. I don't have to try. It just happens. I—I uh, I preached a sermon a couple weeks back, and I it, people were asking me how it went. Man, how did it go? And I—I I hated to even make the statement, but I had to get out of the way and and make the statement that it was the easiest sermon I've ever I'd ever preached because there was no striving. There mm-hmm. was no. Yeah. There was no hoping, oh man, I hope this goes well. I mean, I 
my prayer before I preach that sermon. Well, let me just give let me give you real quick just the the process. And this is so backwards from from what I learned. I mean, talking about imitating pastors, I always felt guilty that I didn't do twenty hours of sermon prep and that I didn't rehearse my sermon five times in the mirror before I preached it because that was what I saw and that was what I felt was the expectation that I would do. And so I always lived under condemnation. Sunday mornings, I'm like, Lord, I know I didn't preach this five times in the mirror, but would you use me anyway? <laughs> I'm serious. This no. is how I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> and so, so I prayed one morning, Father, what do you want to say to these people? And he gave me three passages of scripture. And so all that week, I meditated on those, those scriptures. I prayed about it. Saturday, I sit down and I put all the scriptures on paper and I start to break them down and study and do word study and pray and 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 God just really pieced this thing together. So then when I preached it, I, it was an overflow of what the Father had already been speaking to me rather than me opening the Bible and saying, well, what am I going to say? Right? Mm-hmm. And so my prayer before I preached was, Father, you gave this sermon. I believe this is what your people want to hear. You've gifted me to teach, and so I want to, in full faith, step into that gifting as I step onto that platform, and Father, just flow through me. And again, it was the easiest thing we'd ever done, I'd ever done. And you talked about having this outer body experience like it's God through you. That's what it should always be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Your gifting is never you activating you. You living out of your gifting is the Holy Spirit activating you. It's the Father on you and in you and through you for His glory, Right? Yeah. And that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. It's such a huge... Yep. So, keep going. Yeah. So, so to, to go back to what you were saying, how does, you know, what have I learned about my role in call? Yeah. Um, you know, I learned what my role is in the body. I am a, I am a, um, a leader. I am to lead and to teach. And, and so, when I was a student pastor, I felt like I had to shepherd. You know, I... I and, and I was told to lead. You know, sure. I, but... From what I had seen from other people, I had been given permission to operate in my giftings, but because of what I had seen from other people, I thought I had to measure up and I had to to be the shepherd. And I I still have to do those things. That doesn't yeah, excuse me. I was going to say that Scripture has – I can't remember. The, I wish I knew more about this, but there's a big long list of two one another's, love yeah. one another, care for one another, encourage one. I mean, so sure. Scripture commands us to do those things and – you know, the Holy Spirit in a situation where somebody needs that, if we're led, it's going to rise out of us, and we're going to give people what they need in that moment. Yeah. But what you're saying is that you you put on yourself some sort of pressure to be an act like somebody else. Or, yeah. yeah. I mean, especially in student ministry, you see it, it's so much hype nowadays. It's it's you got to throw the biggest event, you got to draw a big crowd and, and all of these things. And so I got really good at event planning and I got really good at a lot of other things. And I had the youth pastor voice, hey, what's up guys? It's Chris. You know, just that whole deal. And Jason used to <laughs> do, make fun do of me one all the time. For us. Do one for <laughs> no, us. No, I, I will. That was my old life. I've, okay. I've been, uh, He's laid that <laughs> those down. chains have been broken. Yeah. It's, it's like taking an alcoholic. No, take a shot right now. No, really do it for me. Yeah. We won't take him down that road. Yeah. Please don't to that I will spiral out of control <laughs> and and so you know to be released and to know that man I'm a, I'm a leader and teacher and and that that was so freeing for me to to realize that and so now and stepping back into ministry knowing that hey these are my primary giftings and this is how I can best serve the body is freeing amen to know that I don't have to operate into to come under condemnation when I can't write somebody a check and be generous mm. you know to know that I don't have to come under condemnation for not starting a meal train for a family that that's a need all of these things yeah. and knowing that man I can be who God created me to be and that's free 
freeing and it's 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 like God has given us these gifts. He wants us to use them. It's like me giving Sterling, my son, a toy, and he just sits there and is like, oh, this is cool. I'm just going to set this here, and but I'm going to play with my sister's gift, and yeah. this is hers, and, and this is what mm-hmm. you gave her, and you're not going to touch what I gave you. And so, mm. you know, to have that revelation about that was a big deal. Well, yeah. Chris, that's because you give your son crappy toys. Oh. <laughs> hey Ouch. No, he gives him Thanks, toys, Nick. and then his son yeah. makes him crappy because, you know, <laughs> babies pee and poop on things. Yeah. Well, he so, takes so after his dad. That's, uh, that's wow. All right, Nick, you're up, buddy. What's, what's God been teaching you about your rolling call? Let, let me interject real quick, and then I'll, I'll, I'll have Nick go. But I just wanted to say real quick, so in my time stepping away, uh, the, the Source Wichita back in August of 2016, we shifted, um, we shifted mentality, um, and we shifted focus. And so when we did that, I stepped out of what I would call a lead pastor role. Um, and I, I no longer carry the title pastor. However, however, I still lead at the source and I still teach at the source. And the source Wichita, part of what we do, we meet on Sunday nights at 5 p.m., right? But we do. Shameless uh, plug. I know. No, it's. <laughs> I know, right? I I just, this is just how I talk about the source. But but we meet Sunday nights at 5, so it's not a traditional worship time. Yeah. It really is just the body coming together and worshiping and praying. We do communion. And if somebody has a word or something they want to share, we share it. So it's real free, real open. And I know that my primary platform isn't Sunday nights to teach, but I know mm. the Lord's called me to teach and lead. And so we can do that in different capacities. We can do that on different days. Just because you're a teacher doesn't mean you have to only teach on Sundays. Right. Like, why are we limiting your gift to one hour a week on a Sunday morning? Well, it's three hours a week because we have three services. Why are you limiting it to three <laughs> hours a week if you have that gifting, right? Why aren't teach all the time? Um, and it always doesn't have to be this huge platform. But what, but what I'm saying is I, I dropped the pastor title – and so the statement that I use these days when people are like, hey, aren't you a pastor? I say, yeah, I teach and lead by the grace of God at the Source Wichita. Hmm. Right? And that's what I say. Yeah. I, I teach and lead at the Source Wichita. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a leader there. And I just – I use those phrases um, to to help identify so that if I attribute that statement to who I am and what I do, I'm always coming in line with, with the Father's um, giftings to me. Hmm. And saying, yeah, I teach and lead rather than. So, do you think some people would say, well, why is that a big deal? It's just the word pastor. You know, like, why, what, what does that do? What is, it, I mean, that word it does is, something to it you. Is, it is a big deal. And I asked you the same question because, so now with where you're at, and you, you're part of Living Waters Church planting in Derby, Kansas. Living right? Water, not Waters. No S. It's just one river. Just it's one, just one, it's just one, piece, one, one water. Just one body water. Just one H and two O's. Living yes. Water. Yes. Yes. There's only one drop. That's it. Wow. All right, then. It goes a long it's way. It's actually two H's, Jason. Just H2O. Yeah, two H's yeah. and two, one O. Yeah. yeah, I had that wrong. <laughs> nice. This is why I'm not scientist Jason Villanueva. But anyways, where I was going, I, I challenged Chris one day. He said, you know, yeah, I'm Pastor Chris Cerna. You're, what are you, what's your title there? So what it was is I think I was the, the executive pa- pastor. Executive pastor of ministries is what I okay. what, what it was. What's but now talking? now it is it is teaching pastor, which is very much comes in line with my giftings. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I I just I questioned when I heard that word pastor. I text, sent him a text. I said, Chris, are you a pastor? And he said, Yes, I am. I just got <laughs> ordained, and, and then I gave him some crap because I'm his uncle. <laughs> but and the reason that's such a big deal is because when you when you carry the title pastor, um, not only 
are you in jeopardy of putting certain expectations on yourself based on what you think a pastor is yeah. and what you've seen other people put certain expectations mm-hmm. on you? And so I think that's a big deal. And that was one of the things that I um, was the biggest surprise to me was how much people expected of me as a pastor when I stepped into that role. Yeah. That was surprising. Nick? Yeah, so um, kind of going back to the, the the teaching that Chris was talking about on the spiritual gifts, like – I've taken the the what is your spiritual gift test thing, and mm-hmm. it's it's been discernment and uh, exhortation, and so. But when I came to that um, that teaching by Sam, I I really felt like you know God just like serving and and encouraging people, yeah. mm-hmm. like that's my gifting, and and so I'm stuck. Service said, was always written all over you. Yeah, for sure, man. I just like to help people out. Like, I mean, and I help in every capacity that I can, which. Kind of stinks sometimes because I don't know how to say no no to people, and so when people call and ask for my help, I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. And I got 27 things going on at, at nine o'clock, so um, <laughs> and I can't be at all places. However, well, thank I think you for I, being here this morning. Yeah, yeah. So I think I can be at all places, but that, that is not always the case. Um, so I've learned to say no in a better way. I can't do it at 10, but I can do it at 11. Uh, oh no, it doesn't work then. So, yeah, so I can for, do. I can help you move in 2018. Yeah. So for, <laughs> for those of you out there that can't say no, that's a that's a way to say yes without without having to uh-huh. follow through on your commitment. Yep. So <laughs> not that there's anything <laughs> biblical about that. <laughs> uh, but so I, I anyway. So I learned that, and again, I, it's still kind of fresh stepping out of ministry. But it's so I'm learning. I'm trying to grasp the understanding of what that looks like in in the church because it's, it's not about the positions that I have and it's not about the, the, you know, who I'm affecting anymore. It's, it's who God is calling me to be that role and, you know, where he wants, what he wants me to do with that. And so, you know, I like to send encouraging things to people and I like to, as you can all tell by the, the grief I've given Chris already. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, (laughs) but I, I, I do that, you know, I kid around and I try to, I really try to encourage people, and I feel like God has given me a, a lot of wisdom. And so, when people approach me and talk to me, like it's, I've always been that person that yeah. God has used to help guide people too. So, and you can do you can do that immediately in your with your family. Like if yeah. that's your role and your call, well, then you're you <clears throat> you live out that role immediately in your in your family context, in your marriage context, and then your workplace and your church. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're we're about out of time this already morning. for real already. Yeah. Dang. Oh yeah. man. Wait a minute. However, this is a podcast. You can go as long as you want. You could, but <laughs> I have commitments, just like you have commitments. And we'll just call them back and tell them you can't make it. Tell them I can make it next year. Yeah, in twenty eighteen. <laughs> so here, so here's what I want to do. I, I want to give you guys a platform to be able to um, authentically, genuinely, and hopefully heartfeltly um, say something to somebody who is maybe struggling not being in a full-time position or I mean what would you what what's your takeaway from from all of this like I was in ministry I was out I'm back in like what do you, Chris what do you want to say to people Nick what do you want to actually say to can people? I start yeah um, Go so for it. I 
while I was in ministry, like I always thought, you know, I, I used to haul trash at one company. I'm doing that now again at a different company, but I always thought, man, if I could just get into ministry, I can, I can affect people. I can change, I can change things. Like if I'm in a leadership role, I can change it. And, and so God gave me that opportunity. Right. And, and I didn't feel like I was as fruitful as, as I should have been. And, um, so, and, and you can say what you want about that, but we're going to move past that. And so, um, I, I always felt like if I could just get there, then I can make the change. I can be the change and stuff like that. And, and as I was in that role, like, and not being as fruitful, I'm like, man, if I had known then what I know now, I could make a difference where I was. Mm. And so now I go back to the working field and I'm around all these guys who may or may not be believers, but I can, I have, I have new knowledge. And so you have knowledge that God wants you to share with the people that you are around right now. Um, and so I've been able to ride along with a couple people so far and, and they're asking me, Oh, what did you used to do? And I'm like, you know, I used to haul trash at waste management, felt called by God to go into ministry. And they're like, huh? And it's, it's always interesting because, uh, they, their language changes. Absolutely. <laughs> and, um, but man, wherever you are, do what God has called you to do. Like you don't have to be in ministry to do what God has called you to mm, do. Yeah. And so I just, just do it where you're at. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to piggyback off of that and just add a few sentences to what Nick I'll said. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> but that was a huge thing I, I, that I learned as well is that I don't need a paycheck. I don't need a title to do what the Lord is calling me mm. to do. And, You're taking and, my response. Oh, sorry. Sorry. It's Nick really took it. I'm just ex- expanding. No, that was my it. answer. No, don't say it. Don't say it. So, so anyways, I'll let you expand upon that, but you That's don't need, you don't need start. a, you don't need a paycheck to, to, to do what the Lord has called you to do. You just need to do it. And that should not be motivation. The great commission is motivation enough and, and, and obeying, Jesus's commands and, and showing love to the Father or to Jesus that way, um, you can do that. And then, but really, the biggest takeaway that I would say is, um, man, do not mistake working for the Father with intimacy with the Father. It, you know, I've been mm-hmm. following Jesus since I was twelve years old, and and over half my life, and so uh, I. I always thought I just had to do things, you know, and this may stem back to my relationship with my father. We have a great relationship now, but I, I used to think that I had to impress him and do all of these things to earn his love. And and now you you don't have to do that. I would highly encourage anyone who is wanting to pursue ministry. Here's what I would say. If you, if you want to pursue ministry more than you want intimacy with the father, you're not ready. And you're not ready to be in that, in, in that role because... It, it can become a stumbling block and you will trip and you will fall. But when you pursue that intimacy and you have the desire for that intimacy, man, it is a game changer when that happens. So pursue intimacy with the Father, uh, spend time with Him, and, and don't make it about works, but make it about truly just being with Him and, and getting to know Him and, and having Him know you. You know, that, that intimacy uh, with God is, is a big deal. Yeah, that you always talk about that intimacy with God, and you hear that when you're working at a church, right? And they say, well, make sure you, your first ministry is you spending time with God, and you hear it and hear it and hear it, but you don't always follow through with it because you get bogged down by the busy work. Well, you 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 tend to think that you will be way more effective if you are doing this work. That, right. So if you do these things, you will be more effective, you will reach more people, when ultimately at the end of the day, if you are not having an intimate relationship, this thing that God, when you look at, at why God created us, why he 
put Adam in the garden is to have relationship with with us. And so ever since ever since the fall, man has been looking to find some sort of fulfillment within within the means of doing things and, mm-hmm. and ultimately since that intimacy was frac- was fractured and then when Jesus came he 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 bridged that gap and now we have access again to the father and intimacy with the father. Yeah. Amen. That's huge. Um I'm probably just going to end up echoing Chris's echo of Nick's. I want to echo your echo, Chris. Hmm. Um, <laughs> can can I uh, unspoken prayer? Un- unspoken <laughs> prayer request. Yeah. Uh, shoot, things Chris didn't say. Shoot, Christian say. Oh gosh. Anyways, um, I I would say this um, based on thinking that you know maybe you have this idea that you need to be in full time ministry because uh, for whatever reason like if the lord's calling you step into it by no means and nobody's knocking full time ministry nobody's knocking paychecks nobody's knocking titles nobody's yeah. knocking any of that stuff we're mm-hmm. just simply saying be aware of some of the things that can happen when those when, when you step into that i mean we we want you to learn from uh what we've learned but i would say to you today that um there's and I've said this before, there's no future version of yourself that's more worthy of God's love mm-hmm. than the person mm-hmm. that you are right here, right now. Yeah. The Father loves you where you are. You've heard this. He loves you too much to leave you there. But the Father loves you where you are, but you're also going through a process of sanctification. You're being made holy. You have been made holy. You're being made holy. Um, God's working in your life. For I'm convinced that he who began a good work in you will bring it on to completion on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, there's no future version that's more worthy. God loves you enough now to intervene on your life and to begin to change you and transform you into the person he wants you to uh, that. He's going to change you and transform you into the likeness of Christ, yep. right? I had yeah. to I had to correct myself, but there's no future version of yourself that's more worthy of the Father's love. He loves you now, and you don't have to work for His approval. Um, however, it's through that intimacy and through that relationship that I believe that He will give you the work that you're to do. Mm. And so, seek that first. And know who you are in Christ. Identity is such a huge piece in this. And so, seek the Father. Have him um, confirm in you who you are, who he's made you to be. And if you have no idea, ask somebody. Ask the people around you. Hey, how do you see the Lord at work in my life? How do you see the Lord moving on me? What do you see the Lord doing in me? Because you can't, you can't do this on your own. You're not meant to go through this outside of community. And I think one of the biggest mistakes I made was not truly openly communicating some of the things that I was experiencing in my first stint. And so be open and be honest and have an outlet and continue to pursue that deep relationship and intimacy with Christ. And I think things are going to be all right. Don't you? Absolutely. Amen. Awesome. Well, Nick, Chris, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. You guys, you guys are awesome. I want to remind you to check out uh, at Salty Dogs Cast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we're on Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Peace out.